What's up, Team Flynn? Welcome to not just the Smart Passive Income Podcast, but also 2019. Happy New Year to all of you. And I got a special treat for you today to kick off the year here on the podcast, a special guest, Marques Brownlee. You might also know him as MKBHD. That's his handle on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else. And if you don't know who this is, Marques is a big-time YouTuber and tech reviewer and has become very big in the media lately. He's interviewed people like Elon Musk. He has videos that reach millions even after just a day and a YouTube channel of over seven and a half million. And he's a big inspiration to me. So this was quite an honor to interview him and to have him on the show with us to not just talk about his origin story and his humble beginnings, which in and of itself is very inspiring, but how he's been able to kind of develop his own style to how he's been able to stay in his lane, collaborate with others, deal with the growing pains that come with businesses, and also how we as creators can make sure that we give ourselves the best chance to succeed, no matter what size you are at now and what niche you're in. So we're going to kick off the year right. Just sit back, relax, and cue the intro music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he still watches TED Talks to get better at speaking in public, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use. And one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. This is session 352 of the Smart Passive Income podcast. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. Like I said, today we have a special guest, Marques Brownlee, MKBHD, and I'm just not gonna make you wait any longer. We're just gonna dive right in. Here we go. Marquez, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for being here today. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. 
this is amazing because this interview happened as a result of a tweet that was shared. And then a number of people who apparently follow both of us had said that this needs to happen because, you know, magic will happen. So I hope uh, we can we can offer them what they expect out of this. But uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. You have an amazing YouTube channel, MKBHD. You do tech review videos and you do them in the highest quality I've ever seen, which is largely a reason why you are where you're at today. But before we get into a lot of uh, what we can do to inspire others out there, I'd love to dive into your origin story a little bit. Tell us about your first videos. I know you started around YouTube the same time I did, 2008, 2009. Tell me about your first videos. Why did you shoot them and what they, what were they like? Sure. Well, thanks for the intro. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so the beginning of the channel, I would say, usually goes back to um, well, I was in high school and I was making a big tech purchase. So I was trying to buy a laptop. And so the, the story there was I'd watched a bunch of videos uh, to try to decide what laptop to buy. You know, should I get this MacBook, this HP, this Dell? A bunch of YouTube videos, and I finally decided on one, made that purchase. Once I'd made that purchase, I got the laptop, and I realized there was a bunch of things I didn't know about it that I wish I'd known when I was actually making that choice. So I decided to make a couple videos, just simple screencasts, showing those things, uploaded them to YouTube so that if someone else found themselves in my shoes um, trying to make a big purchase choice, they knew more about that laptop. So that's the, the very first video is me talking through uh, one of the accessories that came with a laptop that I didn't know about. And was that kind of scary for you to create your first videos or had you ever been trained on creating videos? Um, what was your approach with that first one? Never was trained on it. Definitely, I think, picked up a lot when I was watching all those videos that came before. So watched a lot of screencasts, watched a lot of, back in the day, what I would consider established YouTubers who were doing their thing. They had their own style. Mm -hmm. And I think watching enough of that, I sort of picked up on it. So by the time I decided to make my own, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into and was able to put my own twist on it and have some fun with it. When you published those first videos um, and you got your first sort of views, at which point were you like, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to continue to do more of these. I actually, I would have done it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of points you can point to where like you realize, oh, there's an audience and, you know, timely information matters and all that stuff. Um, but I, I made my first hundred or so videos for less than a hundred people. So I think it was just kind of a fun thing I enjoyed doing. And at that time, obviously YouTube's much smaller, much earlier. Uh, and I kind of had the benefit of not, I was in high school. I didn't really have to worry about whether or not it's sustainable or, or whether or not I was doing the right thing. It was just a hobby, um, that I found a lot of joy in, uh, but of course, there are many more moments afterwards where you sort of realize, oh, there's an audience here. Uh, you, you kind of bring people back in who have seen previous videos. So you establish your own style, that sort of thing. Uh, and it grew from that. Is there a specific moment early on that you remember like, wow, this this is this could be like something big. Maybe I could maybe I should, you know, devote more time and energy into this. Uh, I think so. One moment that comes to mind was, and I was, I've talked about this before when I did a bunch of screencasts. So they were literally just recording software of my screen. Like your face wasn't there at all. My face wasn't even there. It's just my voice and my mouse and yeah. my wallpaper. And, uh, there was a day that Safari, the web browser came to windows. And so the day that that happened, I was really excited about it. I made a whole video, how to download it, how to get set up, bring in your old bookmarks, all that sort of thing. And the next day I woke up to that video having thousands of views instead of a few dozen. So way more than people who were even subscribed to the channel. And I think that was kind of a light bulb moment of like, oh, well, I guess people are searching for this type of thing. So there's an audience to be had um, and people care about timely information like this. You know, there's a lot of people and, you know, I, I, I especially, you know, there's a lot of kids listening to this show right now and who follow me. And I'm always thinking about them, you know, and 
my son, he's eight, and he goes to a STEM school, and they talk about technology quite a bit. And you ask any kid at that school what they want to be when they grow up, and they all say they want to be a YouTuber. They want to be like you. They want to do what you do, whether it's tech or likely video games, Fortnite, Minecraft, you know, all, the, all those players too. Um, what would you recommend to a kid who sees what you do and they are at that start? They are just getting started with YouTube and they see the millions of views that you and many others have, yet they're creating videos like you did in the past and they're only getting a dozen views every episode. And, you know, it's kind of disheartening sometimes. And I know that personally as well. How would you encourage that person to just keep going just like you did? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the place I'm in now, I guess, probably looks really, really glamorous, but there is a long road to get to where the channel is. And there's also a number of factors that I was both really lucky and, and fortunate to be able to have go my way between 2008 and now that have resulted in, you know, the channel that you see today and the videos you get to watch. Mm. Um, one of those things being when I started, it wasn't with the goal of making it a career and the, the views per video and things like that didn't necessarily matter. So I was able to decide whether there were views or not that I was going to keep making videos anyway. And I think if you're in a position at the beginning where you're really disheartened and discouraged by uh, maybe not getting the views that you want, maybe think twice about if you're enjoying the videos in the first place. Um, you really have to enjoy putting in the time because you see, you might see a five-minute result as a finished video, but there are many hours that go into making a video like that that, that does really well. Uh, so you have to actually enjoy that process and have a lot of fun making videos and going into tech Mm. Uh, to actually get to reap those rewards. And that's something you have to think about if if you're just getting started. I like that a lot. I, li- I like that you said it was lucky that you didn't go into this with like the purpose of turning it into a career. It's funny because a lot of us do do this so that we can turn it into career, which is often, you know, something that would actually, uh, you know, stop us from doing and achieving the, the success that we want, which is really interesting. You had also said that there were some other lucky moments or quote lucky moments. And I, I don't think that was lucky. I think it just made sense and there's a reason why you're here today is because you just kept creating and you were consistent. What other lucky moments, if you will, happened along the way for you to get here? Yeah, I mean, I guess so at the time that I was starting on YouTube, there's obviously a couple different genres or niches, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, tech on YouTube being one of the smallest. So I think I remember when I'm starting, there are maybe three or four uh, of the tech YouTubers, creators that today Everyone is. Everyone already knows them. Everyone's familiar with the the beginnings and the 2008, 2009 videos, and I had the 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 luck of actually getting on their radar and being able to sort of follow in their footsteps. And they sort of enabled a lot of what I do now. That mm. established that people are actually willing to watch tech videos on YouTube. So that was fortunate timing, um, and also the fact that I'm young and uh, at that time in high school and getting into college didn't really have a whole lot of expenses. So anything that I made back from the channel, I was able to put right back into it, buy a new mouse, buy a new laptop cooler, a new accessory, and do videos on that. So uh, those those types of things where I didn't really have to worry too much about it being a career. Was that initial income that was coming in from the channel, was that simply coming from YouTube ads and AdSense and those kinds of things? Yeah, 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 all straight up, literally like uh, the YouTube partner program was uh, something you had to apply to get accepted into back at that time. Mm-hmm. So I remember specifically applying, getting denied. And once you get denied, I think there's a six month period where you're not allowed to apply again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had to like really know you were going to get in. And then I was denied. 
I waited six months, I applied again, was denied again. Waited six months, applied again, was denied again. Wow. Waited six months and then was invited. So Interesting. Okay. It was a weird, yeah, it was, it was this sort of a long process of obviously literally making no money, but continuing to make the videos because that part was fun. I think that persistence is really key. Um, a lot of success stories that we know about J.K. Rowling, her books were rejected by many publishers. My favorite movie, Back to the Future, was rejected by 20 different studios before it finally turned into my favorite movie of all time. And, you know, there's many examples uh, of that. Uh, Rovio and Angry Birds being the 52nd game that they ever created. And nobody knows about the first 50 first hmm. games. But um, that persistence is key, I think. And that's something that you've always done. And along those same lines, you've been very consistent with your content and now your style. And I want to talk about that consistency a little bit because I know from diving into YouTube this past year and becoming friends with many other YouTubers who are experts in the space, um, consistency is, is, is key and huge. And so your publishing schedule, and especially now with how great your videos are and the kind of attention that you're getting, how do you stay consistent and continue to keep up the quality that you've been putting out? Yeah, I guess uh, personally it comes from me being my own biggest critic, so that's number one. Um, I guess the the videos, the, the whole point of the channel has sort of evolved into I want to make videos that I would want to watch. And that sort of stepped into I want to make a channel that I would want to subscribe to. So that's that sort of incorporates things like upload frequency. Uh, I don't I don't really have a schedule for uploading. I really literally just start the next video once the current one's done. So I'm editing a video today. Once that one's done, it'll go live and then I'll start working on the next one. Um, and that's again, a really fortunate position to be in because a lot of people find themselves in a position where you kind of are forced to make a certain amount of videos to keep up with the schedule or to keep up with YouTube's algorithms, preferences, things like that. Mm. Um, so again, really, really glad to be in a position where I get to pick and choose. Um, but that, that's also put me in a position where I'm just happy to make every single video I make, where every every topic that comes up, I really want to make a video about it. Um, so I kind of lean into my favorite topics and devices and just get to go all in on them. I love that. And I know one of your favorite topics is Tesla. Um, I'm a yeah. fellow Tesla owner, and you got to interview Elon Musk. I do want to dive into that in a little bit. But I, I you said something. You want to make videos in the way that you would want to watch and subscribe to a channel. Um, can you define for us what that is so that when we go to your channel, we can actually see those things kind of being implemented. Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a, I think there's a visual style that's sort of first and foremost, it's a video. So you kind of associate the channel with quality video. And I think the sort of overkill of, of production quality that you see started off kind of as a, as a, it wasn't the focus of the videos. It was like an extra thing because that was a hobby and I just really enjoyed production. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into, well, this is actually pretty valuable to showing things as realistically as possible. So anytime you see a, an angle of me talking about a phone with the phone in my hand, you'll see like a first person view as if you're holding the phone. Uh, and these are all things that are sort of helping someone who's in a purchase decision trying to decide if they want to buy a device or not. So first person shots, uh, a continuous flow from shot to shot and point to point, a sort of study organization of points. And, uh, there's other things with style, like a lot of people do in-video ads. I try to avoid those because I don't like watching them, and they sort of interrupt the flow of the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of things like that. And when you watch back a video, you notice lots of little tweaks and things that stay consistent from video to video. I love that. Your 
production schedule. I'm curious. So there's a new tech that just came out, or maybe let's just pretend like I am a company and I invented something and I want you to, you know, review it. And I'm sure you get hit up many, many times a single day for people wanting you to mention their stuff. Um, So whether or not you would, you know, share this product that I hypothetically have or not beyond that question, just like, what is your approach? I give this to you. You're interested in it. What is your production for that particular product and how to give your audience the kind of best review you can for it? Yeah. uh, So I guess a big part of the channel is reviews. And there's other types of videos that are, you know, showcasing tech or maybe doing countdowns or current events and things like that. But for review, generally, I get a device in my hands. I, I integrate it in my daily life as best as I possibly can, as if it's the newest purchase. And once I've used it, you know, if it's a phone, I'm taking notes on it in the, in the notes app and I'm, I'm writing down things as I notice them. And once it's been a week or two and I've sort of accumulated all these points that are worth talking about and I've come to a conclusion, then I go into production mode and I write these things down, I reorder them, uh, I sort of put them in a way that's I feel is thorough and that would make a good complete review and then I sort of go into production mode and get the camera out. I love that. Every review you've done, and I watch plenty of them, trust me, uh, they always feel very honest and very authentic because it does seem like you are using the thing as if we would be using it too. I think it's a big struggle, especially in my industry, which is more online business, where it's very easy to recommend another product and get an affiliate link for it. You can say whatever you want, but sometimes it comes across very disingenuine because you don't actually use the thing. And that's one thing I try to teach my audiences. If you're going to recommend something, like actually use it so you can honestly yeah, even get to the point where you could support somebody with it if they have questions, which if you do, then obviously they're going to look to you for you know yeah. that link or, or whatever. And you've done that very, very well. Um, you do have other videos, like you said. Uh, my recent favorite one was about YouTube Rewind, which mm-hmm. you were featured in. I thought that that was a very honest, great take on it. And for those of you who don't know what YouTube Rewind is, it's sort of a YouTube partners with a company to create a really great video, or that's the hope, that uh, will sum up the years video and their, the video creators. And you know, I watched them since 2016, and I thought 2016 was great. 2017 was kind of over the top. And then this year was just kind of ridiculous. And uh, you were featured in it. Uh, Will Smith opened with mentioning your name and like all this crazy stuff. Like it was set out to be good, but they had well, they had good intentions, but it just didn't perform very well. And what I thought was really cool about that video was there was no like tech that you were reviewing. There was no fancy camera angles or anything like this. You just told your opinion, and people really resonated with it. You were just very honest, and I think that a lot of us online we could just do more videos like that. I did a video like that based on what somebody said about the, the word passive income talking about Gary Vaynerchuk and that video exploded because it was about just my thoughts and I think that a lot of us who are entrepreneurs especially just starting out we we we, we struggle with realizing that we have thoughts that matter and yeah. how, how or when did that start to happen for you so beyond just the tech stuff when did you start to use your platform for sharing your thoughts and hopefully helping people with their own thoughts as a result I would actually say that came Fairly recently, I started doing, uh, I think about a year and a half ago, a monthly Q&A series. And so the, the the sort of interesting part of doing a Q&A that often is you start to get like repeat questions and people, you know, month to month asking the same sort of thing. What's mm-hmm. your middle name? How tall are you? What's your favorite <laughs> color? Like you kind of have to keep it fresh. So you're looking towards things like current events, new products, um, and it's not always tech. And I found that a lot of the most interesting things to talk about that weren't tech 
got the most engagement in, in, in the comments and people talking, people asking about music, and I would share my Spotify playlist, and suddenly, oh, I, I actually like your taste in music. That's nothing to do with tech, but that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more personable things like that kind of were fun to share and, and talk to people about. You found you're, you're connecting about more than just tech with people. Uh, and so I, I, I've done those, and ironically, last month was the first month I, I haven't done one in about 15 months. Uh, so I just stopped doing the monthly Q&As because it kind of felt forced. But on the other hand, I'm now doing more videos on just topics uh, and my thoughts. And maybe sometimes I can offer a unique perspective on a topic or a current event. So with that YouTube Rewind video, it was literally just I've seen a lot of people talking about Rewind that weren't in it. And I feel like because of my perspective of actually talking to the director, being in the, in the production, seeing what their intent was versus the actual video, that's something I haven't seen online. Let me share that too. Um, and that's something that was sort of born from having a lot of conversations with people in the audience about just stuff we think about. That's really cool. And that's another thing that you do really well that I try to emulate, which is like having conversations with my audience. And I do that on my website try to do it through the podcast. Um, but through YouTube and your channels, you do a very good job of communicating and listening and responding to your people. And you've built this amazing brand because of that. What are some ways that you manage your community that allow for you to show up despite having seven and a half million subscribers and a ton of attention in you know, the same 24 hours that we all do? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Obviously, there's a couple main platforms that I'm talking back and forth to people. Twitter is a great one because I literally just read through the timeline. So it doesn't matter if you're you know, another YouTuber or you have something random to say. Chances are pretty good I'll see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's an interesting point, I might respond back to it. And then it might get some, some attention there. But I think YouTube comments are interesting because obviously I can't reply to everyone. There's a, a thousand comments in an hour. I can't reply to them all. But if I read a lot of them... I can get a pretty good idea of which sentiments are most common and which are less. And let's say it's a review on a device and the first couple thousand comments have mostly the same sort of sentiment about, I really like the camera in this phone, or I really don't like the battery in this phone, or maybe I really like or don't like something about this video, then I can pick one of those to reply to and it sort of surfaces its way to the top. Mm And without replying to everyone's comment, it sort of feels like I've addressed a lot of people instead of just one person from replying publicly. So that's kind of one way um, you reply publicly to something that a lot of people have said, then many of those people see the answer to their their question. Does MKBHD have haters or trolls? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say. It's yeah. not. It's obviously a, a massive minority. The the vast majority of people are super nice, especially when it comes to tech videos. And and tech can be this like brutal fan versus fan type of thing. If you like this phone and you don't like the other phone, it can get pretty brutal. But there's always always people who are are firmly in their camps. What's a piece of tech you would love to review that you haven't reviewed yet? I feel like I actually there's a lot of like the behind the scenes production gear this is one of the things like i i talk about a lot of high-end phones and a lot of the comments i get are well, i kind of want to know what the 600 500 phones are like mm-hmm. and i'm so busy with all the flagships from every company and the best they can offer that i struggle to get to those lower price phones so it feels weird reviewing a seventy thousand dollar camera because no one's no one's also looking to buy that you know what i mean right right um, i saw red on your channel the other day that yeah yeah so there's a lot of video gear that 
I think is incredible and I think there's just a little tweak that I'd love to tell the company is a little better. Mm-hmm. But I hardly ever do videos about my production gear because there's almost nobody in the same purchase decision mode that I was in. Um, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. There's yeah. not as many people looking to buy the mics and amps and camera gear and stuff. That makes sense. How about any 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 thoughts or interest in kind of emerging technologies such as AI and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, emerging is a good word because it's it's still early for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I I've been so I think AI and VR specifically is something I've been looking into more, but. Basically, my job is mostly looking at finished products. Mm -hmm. So, you know, different companies just sort of trying to figure out the best use for this new technology, packaging it, making a product out of it, and then selling it. By the time I get there, it's that finished product. But I'm still interested in the process of deciding what to become a product. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I do tend to to look at the finished product. I would imagine that would be a big problem for, or just one of those things that you, you... you have so much power with your channel now that you could, you know, when you mention something, it could explode or it could ruin a company, perhaps. Um, what does it feel like to have that kind of power? How do you, how do you, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So how do you, how do you stay responsible? With that? Uh, I stay responsible by staying truthful. So I think, you know, you use a product for a couple weeks or a couple days, you kind of get a pretty good idea of what's real and what's not. And people like to talk about, oh, well, you don't want to say too many bad things about a company because then you might ruin it. Mm -hmm. But if the things you're saying that are bad about a product are true, someone was going to say it anyway. Like it was going to surface anyway. So I don't really feel too bad when I'm actually saying true things or giving actual real constructive criticism um, when they need it. So I try to just give the whole truth and and nothing but the truth. And if uh, if that's helpful for a company, then that means they made a good product. And I'm sure even if you told the truth and it wasn't necessarily the truth they would want to hear, it would still be helpful to them. Yep. Uh, exactly. And, and hopefully they would, you know, pivot or make a change. Or you know, and that's up- happened before. That's how I've I've given, especially in, in smartphone reviews, because you can push a software update to fix bugs and software quirks and things like that. I've talked negatively about cameras, for example, and they'll come along and they'll grab my sample photos and they'll push a software update and they, they look better in the next one for everyone who uses the phone. That's incredible. Um. In addition to the AdSense and the ad revenue that come from your videos, what other mechanisms for income generation are sort of you know up there for you? Yeah, I'd say primary would be, obviously the ads on the videos would be one, which is just AdSense. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, as of this year, we have a merch store, which is one of the things I'm repping right now. Um, where can I get been, those things? Like where, oh, where, yeah, where so, should we go to find that? Yeah, there's a store. There's shop.mkbhd.com, and that is everything. And we, we have all kinds of new designs every couple of weeks. Um, and that's actually been surprisingly fun, like trying to design interesting stuff that's not too tech, but like normal people could wear. You could get it as a gift for mom and dad, stuff yeah. like that. Um, so that's a pretty big one. Um, and then the very rare in-video or channel sponsor type of integration uh, would, I guess, be third. And... Uh, that's the majority of it. You say very rare. I would assume that the opportunities aren't very rare. Are You're they right. rare because of your choice? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. how do you it, choose? Right. It comes It comes down to what I would want to watch. And a big part of that is actually getting to use a product if I can talk positively about it. So this has happened many, many times in the last couple of weeks and months where I'll get 
you know, an offer to, to do a sponsored bit about some product and I've never used the product. And my first response is usually, if you'd like to send the product first and let me try it, then I'll decide yes or no. And usually that gets a yes and the product gets sent and then I can decide at that point. Um, if they say no, then I missed out. Um, and then it gets to the point of if I actually like the product or if I like the device or whatever it is, uh, then it sort of goes from there. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the process. Yeah, thank you. You know, as my brand continues to grow, I get a ton of opportunities now uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The podcast especially has been huge. And I look to people like you who have done it right for inspiration on how to make wise choices as we continue to grow and reach new uncharted territory. So I, pr- I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. quite a bit. Um, speaking of growing, uh, part of growing a business is growing a team. And I'm curious about who behind the scenes is helping you do what you do. Correct me if I'm wrong. When you started out, it was just you creating those videos. When did you start yeah. to find other people to help you? Yeah. Uh, the channel is in year 10 now. And for the first eight years, it was just me. First eight years. Um, first eight years. No way. Yeah. First couple hundred, nearly a thousand videos. Um, editing about, everything publishing the whole the whole shebang from top to bottom yeah um and that includes the inbox and the the management and the production and the the tax and all that sort of stuff that comes with it um what changed yeah, so two about, years ago yeah two years ago i hired so I, ces is kind of a an annual chaos fair for everyone in, in the tech world yeah. so it's out in a convention center in las vegas and it was like a now, it was a sort of an observation because actually a lot of my peers in tech had started to create and grow their own teams for production mm-hmm. where they would have a cameraman with them and they might have an editor waiting back in the hotel room. And I thought that was really interesting, but I never really wanted to do it myself because I felt so attached to that process from top to bottom. Like I said, the editing, I'd always done all of it. The writing, I've always done all of it. Um, but the first guy I hired was sort of a, a, a production manager where he can help with, he can be a cameraman. He's sort of a jack of all trades actually for smoothing out the process of making a video. Mm-hmm. That was two years ago. And that was just the two of us for about a year. Then the last year was adding two people who are super skilled with specifically video production and post-production. So they're great cameramen, but they're also great editors um, and set design and, and things like that. And they've been able to help with that tremendously. Are they in an office with you or are they working remotely? They're with me here. So they're not oh, here at the moment, but yeah. So the three of them will literally, will all be in the studio and we can all put our brains together for every single video. And usually four brains is better than one. Yeah. Nice. Well, shout out to them for all the hard work they do to help Absolutely. support you and great, great videos for us. Um, are you in the office every day? I am. <laughs> what are your Every hours day. like? Uh, I try. So before I hired anybody, they were pretty much scattered any any hour, basically. Yeah. Um, now that I have to actually think about being a somewhat of a like a manager, a people manager, like a boss in a way, I've created this sort of artificial nine to five for the guys to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think my brain ever stops. I go home and I'm still in the mode where I might be in like writing the next video or whatever. Um, but we sort of, yeah, we will do weekday nine to five for the guys. And then for me, it'll be seven days a week uh, with a little extra on top. <laughs> for somebody who's been managing a team of one for eight years yourself, 
to then yeah. transition to hiring a team. I know personally that that's kind of an interesting transition. And initially I would, I used to like micromanage my team, which would like kind of defeat the purpose of having a team, uh, you know, help mm-hmm. you. Um, what has been the experience like for you to now have people helping you? Has it, has it helped and what has it helped with and what are the struggles? Yeah, it's been a sort of a slow process of like, the way I described it is I felt like an octopus beforehand where Mm -hmm. I have like eight arms and I'm like sort of doing everything at once. But if I could like take one of my arms off and hand it to one of them, they could do much better with that specific task. So the first part was obviously finding and hiring people talented enough to trust them with one of my arms. Right. (laughs) And, And then the second part was communicating effectively uh, the sort of intangible things that you want them to be able to do. So for editing, for example, uh, communicating editing style, uh, communing, communicating color correction style, uh, things like that are, that was super new to me. I'd never had to describe how I edited before to anyone because I just did it myself. Um, but being able to effectively communicate uh, what you do and how you did it so that someone else can do it was like my biggest challenge for for getting everybody on board. But once I found ways to do that well, I think it made things much smoother. In that communication, what has been the number one thing that has helped you actually achieve that? Yeah, I mean, just as like literally having, so like just in the last two months, I've had uh, them essentially lay down the, the beginnings of the edit uh, and start to get the video probably 75% of the way done so that I can literally grab the project on an SSD, bring it over to my computer and do the last 25%. Nice. Um, but finding way, so we use Google Drive and Google Docs and I'll like write out a bunch of notes for every sort of paragraph or note for the video to make it easier for them to do what I would have done anyway. So uh, in addition to managing the relationships with your team, you know, mm-hmm. you had mentioned your peers in tech um, and it's more than just those three original guys and you now. There's loads of people in the same space as you in YouTube. How do you manage those relationships and the collaborations and attention for your time and, you know, the possible additional projects you could do with them? Or are you kind of just like, a, hey, I'm in my own lane and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that? Um, I'm just curious to know how you balance these kinds of relationships with your with your fellow techies. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a couple friends that I've had who have had tech channels for basically just as long as I have. So we've collaborated with each other. Um, most of them are actually in California at this point. So anytime I find myself out there, um, we'll collaborate any chance we get a new device comes out, things like that. Um, so obviously most of my videos aren't collabs, so I'm sort of focusing on my own craft and, and building what I'm building. But Anytime I can, I mean, it's it's usually a pleasure to collaborate with uh, a lot of other tech YouTubers. We're pretty strong community at the core. If I'm a tech YouTuber myself and I'm just starting out, you know, the ultimate dream, obviously, would to collaborate with you. But many of us know that's not possible and you're so busy. What advice would you give to somebody who is in a space they're just entering and there's a lot of other competition and bigger YouTubers out there in that space already, how might I, as a beginner, still continue to grow and succeed in that space? And would a collaboration even be something I should even think is possible or not? Yeah, I would, I think yes. I think the first thing I would probably do is try to view others in that space as as 
collab, not as competition, but more as like friends in that space that are kind of doing and attempting the same thing that we all are. Um, and so as far as reaching out to collaborate with someone, I actually talked about this recently, but like trying to offer something where it's a win-win for everyone. So it's obviously a win for you to be able to work with someone you look up to, but making it a win for them where you can offer something specific in your niche or some specific expertise you have that can make their video better. Uh, and overall putting together something that the audience could not have gotten otherwise from only one of you. So making a video or a collaborative project of some kind that would benefit from both of you and, and not just one. Um, and I think being able to present all that well and quickly <laughs> is the best way of getting uh, the attention of others who are willing to collaborate. I think that's really smart. And, you know, you go to a lot of events, CES and, and many others, and I'm sure you have your own set of fans who are there because they like you and they want to see you. And, um, you know, I know from my own personal experience on a micro level of you, when I go to podcasting events, for example, it's just like nonstop and it's, yeah. I can't even go down the hallway sometimes. Um, are you somebody who is comfortable in that situation or are you more of an introvert like me who has to work really hard to sort of be in that situation around a lot of people and, and fans? Um, you know, I, I, I want to obviously inspire everybody to build fans and grow their business, but you know, these are some of the discussions that are wise to have now because you kind of don't even know those things can happen and when you're there sometimes it's too much so yeah. when did, when did you when did you start to get specific with my question when did you start seeing like fans of nkbhd and how did you mentally sort of you know respond to that yeah i guess a a couple it would be a couple years ago um it's always been sort of like a weird like obviously most of the people watching the videos are on the other side of the screen so we sort of developed this relationship where i don't know you very well but you've watched a bunch of the videos and, and probably know me better than i know you um so yeah it's always been kind of interesting especially in the beginning i'd say maybe four four or five years ago when people would start to come up um in the street or like in a you know a restaurant or something like that and be like hey i've watched videos just enjoy them um I try to put myself in their shoes where like, I'm just trying to acknowledge the work of someone who I appreciate and I'm very grateful that they watch the videos and they're supportive. Um, but in those like bigger situations you describe where you literally like can't like get out of <laughs> 40 people trying to get your, your picture or something like that, that's like super new to me. So I'm not as adept at dealing with it or I, I would describe myself as an introvert. So it's mm -hmm. sort of, uh, not what I'm used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's new territory for, for many people. And, you know, what's really cool is for those of you listening, you know, in your own little niche, you can become a celebrity and it's really awesome. But these kinds of things you have to, to wonder about sometimes, especially when you go to conferences that are specific to your industry, um, people will come to you and they will want to shake your hand. They will want to take pictures uh, with you. And for me, I approach it as, you know, these people have, like you said, taken the time to listen to my show and this little time that I have in this conference is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to expend a little bit more energy for them during this time. And then usually I go back in my hotel room and I just crash. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> see anybody. I just want to like yeah. watch Netflix and do nothing for hours. Cause that was a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Two more topics I want to talk about really quick. And, and the first one is related to what I was talking about earlier, your Elon Musk interview. Thank you for doing that. Elon is a big hero of mine and I know he's very hard to access and somehow some way you were able to 
visit him and get a tour of the factory and speak to him and have him answer some really important questions. Um, mm-hmm. May I ask, how were you able to make that happen? Yeah, uh, so that was so I've I've had some communication with Tesla in the past. Obviously, I I bought a car you know two years ago, um, and I guess sort of gets you on Tesla's radar in general. So I, I've I've had communication with Tesla's PR. Um, but I've made my own Tesla videos and things like that. So pretty established there. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, basically I tweeted, it was kind of, it's kind of like weird how it came up because I, I can't pinpoint exactly where Elon started replying to my like comments or tweets more, but at a certain point he started to, like I would, I would, I think I remember I asked him like who was in the Starman that he sent into space in the yeah. roadster on Instagram of like the 25,000 comments. And he answered one comment and it was mine. And I was like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing right now, but <laughs> I, I see that. I see that. So at a certain point, um, I, I think I just literally tweeted at him and asked, uh, by the way, oh, I, we were talking about the Roadster. I'm very product focused, as you can tell. Yes, yes. Uh, we were talking about the, the Roadster 2020 as it's coming up. And I was like, look, this, I am pumped for this car. And he's, he's basically promising me on Twitter that I'm going to love this car. And I'm like, by the way, if you ever want to be in a video, let me know. And he's like, yeah, down. So after that point, Tesla PR reached back out on his behalf, like, yeah, uh, let's set a date and have you guys come down to the factory and you can do like a little interview style thing. Obviously, that's a that's a very busy person. So we're not going to get like six hours or something crazy like that. But I was grateful for the opportunity and we were willing to fly down there and make it happen. So what did you do to I'm just curious, prepare for that interview? What was going through your head before you actually got to see him? Yeah, there was a lot because I'm not a prof- like I'm not an interviewer. <laughs> so uh, most of the the talking that I do on camera is direct to camera and it's fairly succinct and scripted. But you know, trying to go back and forth with someone, I'd only done maybe three times ever. Um, so most of my preparation for that was you know, coming up with interesting questions that I don't think he's been asked before. And obviously this being my first interview with him, I'm hoping to get the opportunity to do more, but I'm not trying to like dig these rabbit holes of like super deep questions. Keep it kind of surface level for this first one and talk through some products and things that I've tweeted about, um, but hopefully set up the ability to do more in the future. That'd, that'd be epic. And you did a great job and you asked some questions that I had myself if I had the opportunity. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and then final topic is related to just creators in general, especially the platform of YouTube. YouTube in 2018 has been a very interesting sort of story about, you know, um, just how it relates to its creators, how it communicates, how YouTube itself um, behaves for its creators and, and vice versa. It's just it's just been a really interesting time. And you have an interesting perspective with the brand that you've built and the relationships that you have there and, and the big numbers that you have and whatnot. Uh, for 2019 and, and into the future, speaking to creators, what should be we what should we be looking out for? How could, how can we prepare ourselves for perhaps one to what's to come? And I know you can't predict the future, but you know, just in your position, I know you have some thoughts on what we as creators can do to ensure our long term success on platforms that are very volatile and there's algorithms. And I'm just curious to know your thoughts to better. Basically, what I'm asking for is just like. Can you calm my nerves as a creator <laughs> from your perspective? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think the the most encouraging thing when you step back and, and just look at YouTube as a platform is the fact that 
uh, new channels pop up and grow massively every day, every week, every month, every year. Um, so while it can be intimidating that this platform is so huge and there's, you know, the amount of channels with a million subscribers went from like a single digit number to like thousands in a matter of a couple of years, uh, the barrier to entry seems much higher. Uh, but it's also more accessible than ever. And I think if you pay enough attention and you see different channels doing different types of things and they start to grow and you understand why they're growing, uh, you can take notes and hints from all sorts of places and, and really do something special yourself. So I think typically my advice, if you want to call it that, um, is to keep enjoying what you're doing, number one, and just keep your head up and, and pay attention to all sorts of other things happening on the platform and the best of it will surface and that's the number one thing to pay attention to. Thank you for that. Who, who's inspiring you right now on YouTube? Oh, there's a lot. Um, I've watched, well, ironically, I just watched the Dude Perfect video. And I, every time I watch a Dude Perfect video, I'm like, I cannot believe that this <laughs> is what they get to do. This is amazing. Does it make you want to like get ping pong balls and just mess around in the office? It does. It really does. I like, I and I admire just because obviously they're great on camera, but they have this whole production aspect oh, of it too great. that I, I, every time I watch I guess I'm a movie nerd, but I get distracted by the cinematography of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm a big fan of their channel. Um, and I do watch a lot of tech on YouTube too. Everything from my peers to smaller channels that show up and recommend it, and I subscribe to those too. So I watch a lot of tech on YouTube, whether they're making smartphone reviews or gear videos or any sort of stuff like that. I'm usually inspired by that. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of sort of opening my eyes to new stuff. I think 2019 is going to be a fun year. Speaking of 20, 2019, um, what can we look forward to coming from you this year? You're, you're actually the first episode in 2019 on this, uh, on this podcast. Nice. So thank you for setting us up. And okay. so what can we look forward to coming from you? I think uh, if you look back at my 2018 and 2017 even, the percent of videos about smartphones is extremely high. It's probably 85% or something like that. But I had so much fun making other videos about other topics that are still tech-related, but not just smartphones. Mm -hmm. So the interview with Elon, uh, the, the car videos that I made for autofocus, uh, the headphones stuff, the TVs, everything in between, that was, I think, something you're going to see a lot more of in 2019 and beyond, where I actually get to take some steps out of not just making videos of phones in my hand and, and exploring more purchase decisions people get to make every day. I like that it sounds like you are continuing that process of just wanting to shoot videos that you want to shoot yeah exactly. which is what got you in the first place so yeah dude marquez thank you so much for your time today and your inspiration and the tips and advice uh where can people go to check out more of your stuff yeah you got it uh my i'm all about those five letters pretty much everywhere so mkbhd on twitter facebook instagram youtube uh or just search some phone you want to buy and you'll find a video <laughs> all the things mkbhd check them out subscribe and uh, thanks again man appreciate it no problem all right i hope you enjoy that interview with marcus brownlee mkbhd we'll have all the links and relevant uh information at the show notes link which is smartpassiveincome.com slash session 352 if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet please go ahead and do that now i appreciate you for doing that and there's good reason to do that. We got a lot of great content coming your way to help you start, grow, and scale a business of your own that you can be proud of. Um, just every everything, more celebrities like Marquez coming on this year, which is really cool, and people who are in it just like us. 
who are in the trenches of building their own business and just at the start, at the start. I, I honestly, no matter what level we're at, we're always in the trenches, right? We're always fighting our own battles. We're always learning new things. And um, you can even see at Marquez's level, like there's still things that he is still working on and improving on too, which just speaks highly of the fact that, you know, hey, we're all in this together no matter what level we're at. We're all human beings. And if you are a human being and you want more inspiration, but you also want some strategies and tips to help you move forward in your business and in your life, all you have to do is subscribe to the show. Just subscribe to the podcast right now. That's all you have to do. And finally, if you want to go one step further, since it's the beginning of the year, let me know that you heard this episode and if it inspired you. At Pat Flynn on Twitter or Instagram if you want to send me a, a direct message or something or at reply me on Twitter. Um, and you can also at tag uh, MKBHD and let us know that you enjoyed this episode. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it. So let me know at Pat Flynn and also at MKBHD. And I, I appreciate you. Cheers. Here's to an amazing, successful, profitable, healthy, happy, fun year. 2019, Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.